0: to create a listener account, and in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening, so you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat, and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Welcome to New Books in European Studies, a podcast channel of the New Books Network. I'm Tim Jones, and I'm joined today by Marlene Wint, author of The Tribalization of Europe, A Defense of Our Liberal Values, which was published in June by Polity. This is a short and timely polemic. Arguably, the European project is facing the greatest existential threat in its history. One of the big four member states has left the European Union. The main opposition parties in France and Italy flirt with leaving. Two of its newer Eastern members are drifting away from liberal democracy. And for the first time, an American president openly calls for the destruction of the Union. Among these threats, Professor Wint has identified a common theme tribalization and a common remedy, an end to defeatism among liberal Democrats and what President Trump might call globalist cucks. Educated at Aarhus University and at the European University Institute in Florence, Marlene is a professor of political science and the director of the Centre for European Politics at Copenhagen University. She also teaches at the University of Oslo. She's an expert on the interplay of politics and law in the European Union on democratic theory, the role of the judiciary, populism, euroscepticism, and Brexit. Before this book, she authored and co-authored six others. On top of all that, she is currently advising the European Commission on the rule of law, and on the basis of this book is providing counsel to the office of Commission President von der Leyen. Marlene, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much, Tim.
1: Now, there's an obvious political and economic backdrop to this book, but what was the immediate catalyst that made you write it?
2: Well, I guess um, the book is a bit uh, different from my other contributions, academic contributions, in the sense that that um, that this book is really um, quite personal uh, and um, it's it's very opinionated mm. uh, normally as an academic you 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 don't write this kind of books or when you do uh, you you need to be really senior and you need to um, <laughs> yeah well <laughs> uh, but but it's also a special style i think you you find this type of books a lot in the us for instance um mm. but but not so much maybe in europe uh, but what made me write it i think it's yeah, I've always been engaged in um, the public debate and um, and very active, uh, writing columns for newspapers, several newspapers for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that it's um, it it was a cum- cumulated um, a sort of yeah it, it came from 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 my 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 different uh, takes on on the European development for commenting on it uh, brexit uh, being a spectator to what was going on also in uh, uh, in uh, Catalonia in um, central and eastern europe and, and and of course by following very closely how the European Union has developed over the past 10, uh, 15 years. Uh, so, uh, so I think uh, I just reached that stage in my academic career where I thought now I can write this book. Now, now I dare to write this book. Now I, I sort of uh, feel that, that, that it's really needed. Uh, in a sense so so that's that's i think the the explanation um it's it's very hard for me to to it just had to to come out uh somehow so so uh, uh for me it was it was a very important and and urgent book and I, I i have a lot of personal uh anger in it and feelings uh and that's of course also not so normal uh being a professor and normally at least pretending to be objective and and uh being um kind of looking at everything from, from from the one side and from the other side and and try to be nuanced and so on. Uh, I know a lot of my other colleagues, uh, for instance, in the UK have have also contributed to the debate on Brexit. And I mean, it's, it's not always easy to be an academic and then also to, to write these kind of opinionated pieces. But for me, uh, this was really the time. And I, I also sometimes feel that academics are a bit... You know uh too timid to to step out there and and actually try to contribute uh, uh with their own perspectives and own views and and what are we paid for in the end i mean if we don't contribute with anything but uh you know uh boring articles in uh, in scientific journals nobody reads them um then yeah i mean that's that's kind of my 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 way of being a professor also that i I always contributed to, to the public debate. I step up. I've, ha- I've actually <laughs> received a lot of bashing from politicians for, for politicizing and what else they come up with, um, mainly for defending Europe. I mean, in Denmark, in that sense, Denmark, uh, where I come from, and I, I live in Copenhagen, it's, it's uh, in many ways quite similar to the UK, the debate we have had on Europe. There's a lot mm-hmm. of politicians who are... Um, who are very, very busy uh, trying to to talk down the the European project, and and um, you know they think they can gain voters from doing so, and the tabloids do the same, and and so so if you try to just sometimes uh, step into this quagmire and and uh, argue that well what would what would we, where would we be without. Without the European Union, I mean we would be so incredibly poor we would i mean have to run and beg everyone to to buy our goods and and uh, I mean sometimes you just yeah uh, you cannot uh, just expect people to vote yes to all kinds of referendums. you know Denmark is a country where we have actually had quite many referendums mm-hmm. on Europe, and it 's not always gone gone very well so so um uh so so i've kind of been been active in this in this whole debate for the past yeah the past 20 years and and this book was just kind of the um uh, the, 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 the the i reached this plateau where i just had to write it and uh and and i i really feel for what i've written in it so it's for me it's it's it's, uh, it's opinionated but it's also building on my research i mean studying uh, democracy, democratic theory, um, the role of courts. I mean, look what's happening right now in the UK with with Boris Johnson all of a sudden not wanting to to, to live up to his promises with the withdrawal agreement. I mean, uh, this is really deep down, having studied also uh, what is sovereignty, uh, uh, how do we talk about democracy differently in different countries? So trying to sort of, tap everything together in in this kind of very uh, yeah I would I would call it direct and and uh, and forceful argument that I'm making uh, well that's my own opinion but <laughs> maybe you think differently <laughs> well no but, it, it, uh, it, it, but, it's, but that's that's sort of the that very long answer to your question
1: <laughs> well no, it, 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 it reads like a polemic it reads like uh, yes, I mean yes. I, 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 I read it in one sitting um, how long, how long did it take you to <laughs> oh, write
2: Wow <laughs> I'm happy to hear that because that's, that was actually also the intention.
1: Yeah. Did, did it, I mean, how long did it take you to write if it took me one sitting to read?
2: Well, it actually, yeah, I, I, I've I always been been known for writing, uh, sorry to be so bragging, but uh, writing very clear language in my columns that, are, that journal, the newspaper journals in Denmark, they are very eager to have me as as a op-ed I've written for Mm -hmm. almost all the big newspapers and they, they are constantly fighting to, to have me as a, as a writer. I think it's because I, I, I really um, like to write in a polemic language and I, I'm very clear and I'm also not afraid of saying what I, what I think. Um, So, but, but it, I hope that the book you, you said you, you read it very quickly, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was, it was actually not that, that, that quickly written uh, because um i i really work a lot with my language when i write and uh, for me it has to be very very clear and very simple and and that actually takes more time than write something that is incredibly uh you know impossible to understand or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. tricky uh, so so uh, well it took me a summer and um maybe a bit more uh, so so um, i wrote it I wrote it in a summer uh, holiday, uh, but but uh, maybe you know in the in the end it probably took some some more months because I also had to edit and mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so uh, but but it was not as quickly uh, <laughs> written as as I hope it it is to read because I really really you know it's also been been. Um, you know, I've been getting a lot of interviews about the book, and and uh, a lot of of, of so-called uh, ordinary people have bought it and and read it. It's also coming. It's also been published in Danish, mm-hmm. uh, and I really like that. I mean, um, that that it's something that speaks to. Um, I just read Timothy Garton Ash had an an uh, an op today in the Financial Times where oh. he 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 wrote the. Uh, you need, we need to learn to be more passionate in the way we uh, we um, communicate. Um, uh, you know the global order and the necessity of working together and and uh, upholding the law. Why why are those who write about that and think uh, about these things always writing in this incredibly boring uh, mm-hmm. academic style? And and uh, since this is really the the message that I'm trying to convey, that that that. I mean, what is the alternative to be eaten up by China? I mean, or Russia, I mean, they are cheering every time mm. we fight each other. So, so um, it was really my, my urge to, to try to, to uh, deliver this message in a, in a more passionate way than you normally do when you write boring academic books about the rule of law. And, and you know, uh, I've done that, you know, mm. been there. <laughs> so, 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 so it's just uh, yeah. Um, it's it's very important that you you if you really have, have this kind of, of of view on things, you you also need to be able to communicate it in a in a relatively uh, clear and, and simplistic and even polemic, because in my opinion polemics actually make people think, mm-hmm. and it provokes people. I know. But it also makes you think uh, it, to a different degree, I think, than when you try to, you know, be on, the on one hand, on the other hand, you also have to understand the populist, it's very important, they have their reasons to be populist. Well, okay, fine, but I don't give a shit about that. I mean, for me, it's 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 just incredibly dangerous what we are doing with all this as that that's ca- kind of, one of the most important points in my book about this understanding 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 the people uh, of course we have to understand the people but we we also have to to sort of be able to say what is bullshit and what isn't and and uh, i mean the people will be the ones suffering from brexit the the ordinary man in the street losing his job mm-hmm. uh and and if we don't dare to say that um and if we don't dare to say that if we don't fight for our basic Rules and values. Then, I mean, there'll there'll be someone else there to to uh, uh, shut down the internet, uh, to shut uh, shut our uh, you know uh, newspapers, to to uh, force us out of uh, communicating directly and uh, make us afraid of speaking up. I mean, there are lots of those out there. Um, and one of the final points I write in my book is really that Europe is is is. Is um, you know uh, a shrinking continent, and mm-hmm. and uh, we are only eight uh, percent Europeans left uh, in the world. I mean, uh, nobody has promised us that it's our values and our idea of of the good life, democracy, that will that will end up uh, surviving. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 in in my analysis, at least, um, uh, we haven't even realized that yet. Uh, we are just Complacent, you know, letting things happen. We don't even care to defend uh, our own uh, small haven of of or small paradise. Even I mean, look around the world and what people are are uh, uh, are having to face. Uh, not in, not just uh, in in China and and Africa and, and other places, also in the United States, where you don't you can discuss whether you even have a a democratic public debate anymore. With instead of of just opposing, opposing camps that are constantly uh, fighting each other and not talking to each other. So,
0: Mm.
2: so that's kind of my, 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 my urge to write it was really based on this, uh, that, that, you know, we have to wake up, we have to realize that instead of fighting each other and building new walls and uh, leaving the European Union. um, uh, But, but also Inside the European Union, that we are, we are so busy finding differences constantly and and blaming each other for not doing enough. You know, the Commission didn't do enough during the COVID crisis. Well, I mean, why are we so busy blaming? I mean, it's it's in the end, it's it's us who are not doing enough. It's the member states who do not want to distribute uh, refugees from the uh, terrible camp in 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 Greece. It's the member states who do not want to deal with. A global health crisis together it's the member states who are you know trying to undermine uh, the other countries and their um, ability to 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 save the european economy and so on i mean it's all down to 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 uh, to, to the member states and the politicians we have we have voted for mm-hmm. so but we are very busy constantly blaming someone else for for the failures so so that's uh, also kind of, of, of uh, you know, I'm not I'm not there uh, soft with my own country either in this book. I mean, originally, uh, I, I because I've been so much uh, in the fire in, in, in Denmark, um, and in particular, right wing politicians have tried to get me fired and so on. I mean, uh, so I thought I'd, I don't want to really comment on Denmark as such. But but, you know, uh, we also had this very strange, uh, actually quite comparable to the U.K., uh, with constantly questioning whether um, uh, w- should we even be in a community where or a, a union where we have supranational courts that can set aside what the uh, sovereignty you know the sovereign parliament has decided uh, you know starting to undermine the uh, European Convention of Human Rights um, you know we had a centre right government um, that 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 simply took that. On board and started to to question whether, uh, you know, whether Europe should 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 defend these these uh, basic rights that we have had since the Second World War, whether we should we should withdraw from it. I mean, my point is sort of to say this this kind of undermining of the international, you know, liberal order, it's it starts with with us, you know, it's, it's, it's our own politicians who start questioning. And my point is, as I write in my book, that who is cheering, I mean, Putin is standing, you know, cheering every time, uh, you know, the mess that that happens right now, sorry to say, in in your country in in Mm. the UK, and and, and 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 also every time you know, Orban says he does not want to sign up to the rule of law, or Denmark says, uh, why do we have, even have to, to to submit to a supranational court, um, mm-hmm. whether it's it's the court in Luxembourg or in Strasbourg, you know, it's just mm-hmm. as bad. Uh, so we are constantly ourselves contributing to this questioning 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 whether it's 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 legitimate whether it's it's fine whether it's okay is it even democratic you know we have politicians in my country who say that it's not democratic to have uh, to to submit to international law uh, because then the, the the sovereign parliament cannot uh, decide for itself well i mean that's what the whole european past second world war order was about it was about You know, submitting to common rules, so that we don't fight each other, so that Mm. we uh, have one legal sphere that we can trade within, instead of having 27 different legal spheres where you have to constantly uh, uh, find out what are the rules in Greece, what are the rules in Italy, what are the rules in in Bulgaria. I mean, uh, the whole point was to create common common standards, both for you know the good society for human rights, but also for, um, for how we, we trade with each other. So, so it's, um, yeah, I think, I think we, we have a lot, we have, we have to, to a very high degree ourselves to blame for the mess we're in right now. Uh, I, I know the book is incredibly pessimistic. It's, it's, and I really, I really didn't want to write something that was that pessimistic, but, um, but it's, I think you have to go there in order to sort of, yeah, to make your point and to make people realize that that uh, we simply need to talk about this differently and act differently and, and move in a different direction. Otherwise, uh, it will end up, you know, yeah, we will end up destroying ourselves in a way.
1: Yeah, you, you, I mean, you said a few times there that we are to blame and the implication was that that's mostly member states and their governments. But do you think, you haven't used the word, but do you think that people, the, 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 the electorate themselves have become uh, in a way decadent or complacent. They've, they've in, in the United Kingdom, in the United States, uh, throughout the European Union, um, they have become, they, they have accepted uh, decades of wealth and peace and taken it for granted. And as you, you, you actually say in the book, um, as a political platform, uh it's much easier for a politician to talk to voters about blood land and history than it is to talk about vague concepts like cooperation or the long-term benefits of competition and trade so what, i guess what i'm getting at is that is this book this isn't just for governments this is for people to to wake up and basically defend something um something with a 60 year history before it it's disappeared without them actually doing anything
2: Yeah, and and that's dangerous because uh, you you very easily, in particular being an academic, uh, you very easily uh, get into big trouble when you say that, that, People could also themselves be a little bit less decadent and and a little bit less complacent. Uh, I mean, why don't you read a book? Why don't you go to the library? Why don't you, before you go voting, uh, find out what the EU is? I mean, I remember uh, in the UK the most uh, sought mm-hmm. for word after Brexit was "What is the EU?" Right after the vote. So so that's just a very good example of, and I'm not I'm not blaming. The, the, the British voters, uh, uh, I mean alone. I, mean, I think it, it's the same we see in many countries. I mean, right now you see uh, people in Belarus uh, standing up, and I'm I'm very very impressed with this because they they have not had a free press uh, for for many years. So so it's probably the internet that has made this happen. Mm. Um, uh, but but why is this not happening in Hungary? You know, why are people not going into the streets? I have a lot of very good contacts in Hungary and. But it's mostly those in in, in um, uh, you know academia and critical journalists and so on who are, who are uh, uh, you know uh, mad about uh, or or upset about upset with with the autocracy of of Viktor Orbán. I mean, ordinary people are just you know you get a little bit higher. Uh, welfare benefits at the next election. Uh, So uh, it's the same in Poland. You also had uh, an increase in uh, child benefit and you got an increase in in uh, pensions and then people vote for 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 these autocrats. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I'm I'm trying also to 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 um, to sort of. Yeah. Convey the message that I mean, if we don't have democracy and access to to express our views anymore, um, then these people who are complacent will also suffer because, in the long run, at least, maybe they can manage right now because they, you know, they get this little higher um, benefits. And in in Poland and Hungary, it's even incredibly anti-feminist in the sense that uh, they pay women to stay home and to 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 have babies, right? Mm-hmm. So so uh, you, you, the more the more babies you have, the more you 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 get from the state, uh, and it's just incredibly. Sexist and I think uh, undermining um, the freedom to think for yourself and to engage in society and to uh, yeah to to even exchange views and and be be in opposition to to what's going on so it's it's an attempt I think by by some very cynical leaders that I also talk about in my book I talk about this cynicism uh, by leaders who are not even uh, I claim um, they're not in many, in in many instances, not even believing in what they themselves tell people. Mm. So, so uh, in, in, you know, in, in, in Hungary, for instance, uh, you have, you have a, Viktor Orbán, who who constantly talks about Muslim immigrants. I mean, there are no Muslim immigrants in Hungary, right? Uh, but he he can, you know, he, he he knows exactly what buttons to push to 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 make people upset and and to create fear, you know, fear mongering. And 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 um, uh, my my claim is that well, it's it's very convenient because then nobody will will dig into his corruption. Um, And uh, I think we see a bit the same in the in the British government, Boris Johnson. I mean, does he believe in Brexit himself? I don't even think so. You know, but but it's a it's a, you know, it's a way of of keeping himself in office. And, uh, you know, when he when 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 uh, Just before the the referendum in the UK, Boris Johnson was was a journalist, as you know, and Mm -hmm. and he he had these two op-eds. Should he vote in favor? Uh, Should he recommend uh, Brexit or should he uh, recommend uh, the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Remain. Uh, and, And this cynicism. Um, is is something that I see across Europe because you can you can easily ask me why why are these cases you are talking about in your book do they even uh, do they even uh, you know match each other or is, I mean are they not too different but I think what 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 really uh, makes them makes them uh, similar in, in many ways is the fact that that you have these kind of incredibly uh, cynic uh, leaders who are um, uh, rounded up by uh, or or um, supported by um, some some just a cynic or maybe even more cynic uh, spin doctors uh, and and advisers who are running this show and and um, not much of what comes out from from these professional. Uh, communications, uh, ma- political communications machines are, are about what what these politicians really believe. That's mm. my claim. I know it's my claim, but but uh, I think we see this cynicism uh, in 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 a lot of places right now. And uh, so it's it's actually manipulating uh, manipulating ordinary citizens to believe that they believe in what they're saying, but in reality, it's more about you know them ke- staying in office or you know uh, getting their um, getting money from the EU uh, to their own projects, their own pet projects, and, and uh, uh, trying to avoid that anyone uh, gets to know about it. So so there is this kind of cynicism um, uh, right now in, in modern politics. Um, you see the same in the US. I mean, uh, and that can can lead uh, to, in my opinion, a very, very dangerous uh, yeah. place where um, where these politicians they would actually uh, sacrifice Europe and and our democracies for you know for their own small uh, personal gains, mm. and and that is something that is is really scaring me, and and it's scaring me that nobody talks about it and nobody, um, yeah, um, dares to 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 speak up about it. Uh, one another point that I have in my book that that you probably also noticed is this idea that. That a lot of, in my opinion, at least, uh, journalists and commentators and so on, they were so, they were so taken aback by by Trump uh, uh, that he was elected to the White House and and that Brexit could even happen. Uh, that that you know now everyone is supposed to embrace the people. So we are back to your original question, right? Mm. Uh, yes. About uh, you know, uh, so it's not very politically correct to to say. Well, maybe the people are wrong, or maybe we told them something that was wrong. Maybe we contributed, uh, you know, to to because we were so, you know, shocked by what could happen and, and how how people how angry people could be um, that we instead of saying, okay, you voted for this, fine, but we don't agree. Uh, this is not good. This is terrible. Um, so instead, I think I have, I have at least felt on my own body that, that a lot of, you know, neoconservatives, uh, you know, nationalists, uh, commentators are, oh, you're so elitist, uh, you know, you should not tell people what they should think. You should rather embrace them and you should follow what they say and what they feel and you don't understand them and so on. Um... And and of course they they may have a point. Uh, I'm not saying that, that I know everything and, and that that those who fight for you know Europe or just rule of law. I mean uh, I are um, uh, are in necessarily uh, in any way better people or have, have, have more insight. I'm just saying that that I I'm pretty uh, pretty surprised by how few people are left uh, insisting that, I mean, we have this very unique um, liberal order in Europe. We've had it since the Second World War. We created it ourselves. We, um, uh, it's, it's been close to falling apart several times. We had the fall of the Berlin Wall. We had new countries that we embraced and took in um we are living in in a world with with autocrats with uh, people being poisoned and 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 killed by criticizing uh, uh big leaders like like uh, xi jinping and and, and putin and uh, i mean uh, we are living in this small um unique um enclave in europe and still uh, there i think A lot of intellectuals and commentators are more busy uh, telling other intellectuals uh, that they should back off and that they should, uh, you know, embrace uh, those feelings.
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off. I
1: think yeah. that there, there, there is a good point that links to, um, you have, well, you have two chapters, one where you say, uh, one that's um, something like, uh, who are the people? So the, a definition of who the people yeah. are. And then you also have this um, uh, uh, chapter where you discuss um, counter-majoritarian institutions. And I think for... You you look at the... I mean, this has happened in several countries. You look at the two countries where there have been these two major shocking events in 2016, one being Brexit, the other being Trump. Hmm. You you could argue that both of those were delivered by a minority of the population and they were delivered by unusual institutions, essentially first-past-the-post institutions.
2: Exactly.
1: And I think for many people especially those coming from countries like the U.K. or the U.S. who, who, who live in these you know, the first-post-the-post the post, or electoral college systems, mm. we think of democracy as majority rule. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's a very good point you make about the importance since the Second World War of counter-majoritarian institutions that were done at the national level, but also the creation of the um, Convention on Human Rights and so on, and, and ultimately the EU itself. So c- could you expand on that?
2: Yeah, that's really my my heart child, I would say, because I've I've, I've been occupied with this debate for for inc- yeah past ten years or maybe more, uh, because I'm very interested in the role of 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 democracy, but also in in the role of countermajoritarian institutions and in the uh, uh, peculiar insistence among not just the UK. Uh, uh, and maybe the U.S., but but certainly because the U.S. do have uh, counter-majoritarian institutions. I mean, they are the ones who pushed this on Europe and said you have to create mm. uh, strong courts, right? Uh, so, but but actually, the Scandinavian countries are, 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 you know, are also very very focused on on having parliaments that are not supposed to submit to uh, to, to to courts, mm. neither in their own. Um, Sort of constituency or or, or, or uh, community, uh, I mean, in in, in in their own country, but but not uh, neither in, in in the at the European level, and and that is is something that I find in, in both very disturbing, but also uh, incredibly important to understand the um, the lacking um emotional support for the European Union in many ways uh, because for for a uh, german after the second world war and for almost all other countries that became democracies um now we can discuss what's happening in poland and hungary but on on this point but but the the common thing the common kind of kind of movement in in europe since the second world war has been this idea that it's not enough to have a parliament that is sovereign you need in order to protect minorities and basic rights you need to have counter majoritarian institutions and you can actually argue that if you do not have that if you do not have strong courts that can exercise judicial review then you are not a real democracy mm-hmm. and and uh, i come from a country where where this is you can even you meet you meet uh, uh, Politicians in the parliament who never heard about that you could have a democracy that is different than, uh, you know, uh, majoritarian democracy. Uh, so, so it's it's uh, it's very interesting that those countries that are most skeptical towards Europe. Uh, are the ones that actually uh, never acquired this kind of constitutional moment, this kind of idea that you need to to have balances of powers and not just division of powers. So you have a division of powers in the sense that, uh, of course, you have in Western Europe, you still have, of course, uh, independent judges, uh, even though they are called enemies of the people sometimes (laughs) in the UK. Uh, But... but, um, uh, but you you um, uh, you don't have a balances of power, so so you don't think judicial review is is really legitimate. Uh, you think it's some some you know white headed uh, guys uh, sitting uh, on the bench and and uh, telling uh, the so called ordinary people because the parliament represents the ordinary people what to do and judicial review in a constitutional democracy is really about that i mean uh, ask any german or uh, french or um, anyone uh, in in europe also italian uh, what what how they would define democracy they would say balance of powers and not uh, majoritarian uh, democracy and the parliament as the only kind of legitimate body but in in our part of the world uh, we never understood this and 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 you have of course to remember that the reason why the 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 americans actually acquired this of the germans after the second world war when they came with the martial help was that um what happened in germany just before the nazis took over was that there was a majority in parliament and very weak courts courts that could not Put down their foot to, to um, uh, the um, extinction of, of, of Jews and minorities, uh, sexual uh, uh, minorities of, of any kind. Uh, so, so there was a situation actually um, uh, just before um, these laws were introduced um, in the German Reichstag that that uh, that are very similar to the situation we have in. Uh, I mean, at least the kind of democracy we have in, in, in Northern Europe. So so this idea that, that courts should be weak, should not be allowed to overrule the parliament, um, that was exactly what, what you wanted to get away from in, in uh, Germany and also in the rest of Europe, because the rest of Europe and the European Union is built on this uh, kind of Um, philosophy that that in order to protect rule of law and minorities in the future, you need strong courts that constantly um, supervise parliaments for not going in the wrong direction. Mm. Uh, Parliaments can be incredibly dangerous. You know that also, uh, for instance, in Germany after the Second World War, uh, referendums are are, uh, forbidden uh, because uh, it's dangerous to 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 um, have this kind of populist um, search that is really not necessarily, as you mentioned before, representing the people. They are represented maybe half the people if you vote on something, and and that is not in at least that's how the the Germans look at it. It's not a true democracy, and and uh, so representative democracy, but also strong courts, is really what became. Um, also with the European Court of Justice and with with the Human Rights Court in in Strasbourg, became the 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 symbol of of the rule of law in Europe, and it's just so incredibly hard to understand even today for Brits and for Danes uh, uh, that it's 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 yeah it's it's really amazing how 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 bad we have been at conveying. Uh, the benefits of of living in a system where you actually have a true balance of powers and strong courts that can protect minorities and and protect the rule of law, and that is exactly what we are seeing right now in Hungary and Poland. They are moving. They are moving in a majoritarian direction. So they are uh, sort of, you know, putting their own friends on the bench uh, in 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 the in in the courts and. Uh, 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 I mean, there are no impartial courts anymore in in in, in these countries. At least in, in not in Hungary, in Poland, they are trying constantly to undermine uh, independent courts. There's been so many uh, infringement cases against um, against uh, these so-called uh, judicial reforms in in Poland. So so uh, it's 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 in my opinion uh, a very common trait uh, from autocracies or. Wanna-be autocracies that they move in this direction, challenging, criticizing uh, the courts, the judges, criticizing independent media, um, limiting who is right to speak and who is not uh, allowed to to have an opinion. This kind of, 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 of a, you know. Um, Pinpointing what uh, what is the right opinion from from which academics, uh, and also who's allowed to to uh, to engage in the debate and, and, and constantly criticize and and and. Uh, prosecute even uh, those who are in disagreement with you so it's it's so far in my in my opinion from from a true liberal democracy what we are seeing right now I am of course not seeing that 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 uh, the UK and and Denmark are 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 becoming autocracies and uh, Denmark is certainly you know we are not as far out as uh, sorry to say uh, right now the UK is in terms of undermining the rule of law but but uh, but you do see traits of this and uh, uh, and 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 the the big the big problem is of course also that nobody is saying anything nobody is putting down their their foot to 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 what's going on in Europe and and there my point is of course that if if we don't even do it ourselves, also our own politicians uh, and European politicians, uh, then how can we how can we run around and tell Erdogan and and, and Putin and Xi Jinping that they are not uh, you know treating people properly and that they are you know undermining the rule of law and so on? If if we are not even able to do this uh, in 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 Europe, and, yeah, and you, that's what's you, really worrying me. Yeah, yeah,
1: you you, you say it will be a. Um, a a serious threat to the EU's credibility if they don't deal properly with uh, um, Orbán and uh, Kaczynski. Um, yeah. I mean the history of enforcement um, of mostly through Article 7 of the treaty has not been a happy one. Um, how? I mean there is this possibility now of um, the linkage of the new next generation EU of yeah. refund to rule of law provisions and People seem split as to how serious to, ser- seriously to take that provision. Where do you fall in that debate?
2: Well, I, I certainly hope that that um, that that it will eventually happen, uh, but but I'm not I'm not very optimistic. I would say mm-hmm. uh, I think that that Orbán uh, somehow mm-hmm. has a grip on the European People's Party in the. European Parliament and 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 they are you know embracing both uh, von der Leyen and 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 Merkel. Um, so so as long as they have not made up their mind about uh, yeah what to do with autocracies in Europe and and what to how to deal with, with countries that are undermining the rule of law so 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 seriously as, as is happening and has been happening for 10 years now in, in Hungary and for, for four or five years in, in Poland. Uh, but also in many other countries, you have corruption in so many places. I mean, as long as you don't uh, have politicians who dare to step up and, and seriously deal with this question, uh, because they are afraid of losing majority in parliament, or they are afraid of, of you know, Orbán was uh, uh, was was the one uh, uh, supporting von der Leyen, you know, uh, so yeah. she feels perhaps that she owes him something, and and so uh, so I really think that it's going to be very difficult, and maybe it's only the European Parliament you know, often called the Mickey Mouse Parliament or the not a real parliament. Or, you know, there's lots of of EU critics out there who are busy telling everyone that the parliament is ridiculous. Nigel Farage, for instance. Uh, But but maybe they will in the end be the ones uh, that most seriously say, "Okay, we will not vote for this budget if... Um, if there is no uh, rule of law conditionality, uh, and I, I really think that that it's important that we we talk very openly about this. I know it's it's some people say, oh, you know, you you don't shouldn't be so harsh on Central and Eastern Europe because they are you know new democracies, they have to find their feet and so on. But I mean, uh, I just can't see that we can compromise on those absolutely basic values that you shouldn't be corrupt. And certainly not with our taxpayers' money, you know, coming from all over Europe, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually what is happening, you know, in, in, in uh, many of these, at least some of these countries. Uh, but but also we shouldn't compromise an Article 2, which is the basic, you know, the most minimal, you know, division of powers, impartial judges, free press, ability for any civil society group to act without being on a blacklist or being refused uh, you know housing or or money or funding or you know so so um, these things are in my opinion so basic to the european uh, to to what we have in common in europe that that if we compromise on that i can't see what's left to be honest i simply can't see what is left i can't see why i should support this project even so so yeah I, that's a bit yeah
1: well i think that, that, that that's an important point actually and, and... Do you think that if this fails, you know, linking the uh, next generation funding to rule of law, and especially if Orbán wins again in 2022, do you think it's, it's then time to think about something really radical, like, for example, in 2012, when David Cameron, the then British Prime Minister, refused to sign the fiscal compact treaty, and within three months, every other member state, or nearly every other member state, had signed their own treaty, yeah. so essentially you could you could sort of break away from the eu you create a, a European confederation within the EU and then you leave these these countries in the rump EU is, is, it, is it time to start thinking about something like that
2: it's it's a very interesting perspective because that's that's actually what what my young students tell me you know mm. when we discuss this and things new innovative thinking often comes from students and and they they was simply I remember one, putting up his hand and saying, why don't we just create a Europe for democracies? You know, why don't we uh, I mean, why are we why are we still dealing with these persons? I mean, they are they are not I mean, they promised when they entered the EU that they would sign up to to all these values. Uh, They promised, you know, the Copenhagen criteria and so on. Uh, So, so why are we dealing with this? I mean, why are we sending money to these countries? Uh, Even in the new budget, you can see how much money goes to, to, to Hungary and, and, uh, uh, and Czech Republic. They were, they were last year, I don't know if you saw that article by New York Times on the front page, you know, the money farmers, Mm. uh, they were, I mean, on the 9th of, of November, if, if any of the listeners wants to google it it's it's really really the most embarrassing article i've seen uh, you know you know on the front page of any of any uh, big uh, international newspaper saying you know why are we putting money into these people's pockets i mean we are contributing by the system we have set up with uh, you know, the way we are using, spending money in Europe with agricultural funds and structural funds. And, and now we have the recovery fund as well. Mm-hmm. And and it's it, we haven't changed the rules for what, you know, what conditions uh, should there be? And partly, of course, because that we have so much faith in each other in Europe. We have had that since the beginning, that you, if you are broadened fraudulent and and you are not uh, you know uh, spending money correctly it's the national authorities that should that should uh, deal with this but what what happens if you have national authorities that are also uh, paid and um, and and uh, Bought up by uh, uh, by the the the, uh, the oligarchs and mm. by the leaders uh, of, of 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 an autocracy. I mean, you can, you cannot trust uh, independent bodies uh, and accountants to to uh, to to research this. And the the media is also prohibited because if you do uh, research into corruption, you you get killed, right? Mm. So uh, so so yes, uh, I think that's a very good. Uh, I mean it's of course a little bit a little bit drastic to say that we should create a new Europe but to be honest I mean I I don't think the young generation will accept Will accept this the the structure it has right now. I think there are so many problems, and and uh, and and these values are so important that I, c- I can feel that when I talk to 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 the younger generations uh, and of course mm-hmm. my students that this is something that really occupies them. Uh, illiberal democracies, the discussion about what to do with them, um, the discussion about where is europe heading i mean uh, will we even have human rights and and basic rights rule of law in 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 20 25 years if we just do nothing uh because there's so many others out there in the world uh, that would love to buy up our assets in europe and would like to you know uh yeah, take over um, uh, even these countries. You know, lots of them have investments from China and and Russia, uh, and and um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's scary to see how how we have been incredibly naive in in Europe uh, by not dealing with this also up front to just take the discussion. Uh, do we really want this? Do we want countries to just let? China and, and Russia buy up all our assets and to also influence the media and and uh, all these questions about cyber attacks coming, you know, disrupting elections in democracies, uh, making people more and more doubtful about whether they can trust the politicians and um, it's 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 all part, I think. Of I'm not. I don't want to sound as a conspiracy uh, theorist, uh, but but and I know it sounds a little bit like that. But 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 I think that that these dangers are so uh, and challenges are so uh, enormous that mm-hmm. that 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 they should be dealt with.
1: Well, I mean that brings me to my last question, which sort of turns the book on its head a bit. Which is to ask, um, do you? Do you think there's a risk that at least some advocates of European integration can fall into the same trap, which is that they start to see the process and the institutions as the goal? So the European flag, the European anthem, European commission, European parliament, rather than focusing on the benefits that the EU or the European economic area can bring, jobs, free movement, improved services, reduced risk of conflict, essentially, in fact... We too become a tribe and see the sceptics yeah. as the other.
2: Mm. I think that was probably a danger in the eighties, nineties. Uh, I think that there was a certain sentiment in Brussels. I was, I was the statieer myself in the nineties in the Commission, and actually uh, working in, in communication. And and uh, I thought it was too much with all these, you know, uh, flags and and all these. Uh, Kind of of very superficial messages coming out um, at times from from the commission, but I think that is 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 really a, something of the past. I think that that it people have become far too critical and far too demanding and the media has also i mean we have so much i mean we have a lot of crappy media, but we certainly also have some very good uh, Politico and others, uh, good media and Brussels that, you know, you cannot get away with, with, uh, you know, uh, arguing uh, for Europe, just for Europe's own sake. If it doesn't deliver, Mm. uh, then people will say, well, I'm sorry. Uh, You know, uh, uh, this is, uh, this is just not good enough. Uh, So, so I think it's, it's, it's not possible today to, uh, uh, and of course, you you can easily find people who would defend this kind of stuff. I'm not I'm not uh, at all uh, in doubt about that. But I think the overall and my impression from from uh, I lived in Brussels last year or in 18, 19, uh, 2018 to nineteen, uh, and um, uh, from talking to people, from from sensing uh, the discussions, from from really getting it under my skin in a sense, uh, people are so incredibly occupied with delivering. With 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 delivering on borders, on migration, on on, I mean, look at the recovery fund. I mean, uh, now I've said a lot of bad things about Europe, but mostly I've said a ba- lot of bad things about the member states. But uh, but I think that that was actually a very very good example of a Europe that can deliver, in terms of saying okay. Uh, let's realize what's really at stake here we are losing uh, some 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 generations in in southern europe and 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 who has benefited mainly from the internal market and and uh, the euro that's been germany and and us from from northern europe i mean we're not part of the euro but we have benefited enormously uh, and we are export driven economies um we are the ones who have you know uh, been able to sell all of our goods uh, at the same time in particular germany has not uh, uh, you know uh, risen its 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 uh, minimum wages uh, so people have not been able to to import as much or to buy as much goods from italy and spain and so on so i mean we owe them big time and i think it was a, a, a that's my analysis but i think that that uh, that uh, that it was really a revelation and and an interesting u-turn that germany did uh, during the covid crisis that all of a sudden they they realized that that uh, what will happen to to their economy if italy has to leave the euro or even leave the eu uh, and and you know so the UK was not just the first, but then, you know, COVID crisis came and uh, after financial crisis, and then we end up with, with maybe a, a Europe that breaks up. I mean, in particular, when looking at who actually had have had the largest benefits of the internal market. So so uh, invest more, spend more, uh, get the wheels you, uh, running again. That is that is what it's about. And I think that, that the politicians have actually delivered uh, on that. But I just don't think they have delivered on the rule of law and linking all this money and all these new uh, investments to also a respect for our basic rights in Europe. And I think that is on time.
1: Okay. Well, to remind our listeners, we've been discussing Marlene Wens' uh, Tribalization of Europe, published in June by Polity. Marlene, thank you for coming on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much, Tim, for having me. It was a pleasure.